0: Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany and all without saying, die Natur ist die beste Apotheker. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com and I'm joined by my co-host Simon Maddox. and this week we're joined by another guest co-host. Welcome to the show for the second time, Delini Algemar, who you may remember back from episode 23. How are you both?
1: I'm good, thank you. Nice to be here.
0: Yeah, doing well, doing well, thanks. So what's been happening since we spoke to you last Dilly? What's been going on?
1: Very exciting stuff. It's the beginning of the end of summer. The end of summer is new.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's Simon's personal obsession is the end of the end of the seasons. He's always, he's always very concerned about them. Yeah, what about you, Simon? What's been going on? Same kind
2: of deal, really. Like Enjoying the garden and sort of the last throes of decent temperatures. But as I said last week uh, was my, my wedding anniversary. and so.
0: Oh, of course, yeah. We've got it to be continued to catch exactly. up on. Yeah, exactly. So
2: the, the big reveal comes. Anyone at home who is thinking, what was that iron gift that Simon got his wife? Uh, you'll be thrilled to, to know now the truth. And it is a hammered iron bowl. Mm. Very nice. It was filled with candy as well. So that it's both of these six year anniversary gifts. And my wife followed suits by making me, I'm not sure I can call it a cake. I, it's more mm-hmm. of a monument to sweets. <laughs> she went to Action, or action the discounter, mm-hmm. and I don't know how much money she spent on sweets. But I have piles of nougat downstairs and all sorts of wonderful, weird sugariness. That neither of us really have the appetite to eat, but it is a <laughs> monument to six years of, of successful marriage. So yeah, that was good. But what I also did on on our anniversary day, as well as giving each other sort of early onset diabetes, uh, is we went to the zoo. And the zoo is one of the first places that my wife and I went on a date. And it was really nice. The zoo's lovely in Nuremberg. It's like in the forest kind of thing, and they've got lots of cool animals like snow leopards and red pandas, lions and tigers. So one of the things I was able to do at the zoo as well as check out really awesome animals is I was able to have my first curry verst in a while. Obviously, this has been a hot topic. On the podcast.
0: I wondered where that curry you sent us a photo of a curry verst and you were like, This is the life or something like that.
2: Living the dream was the was the, the caption I chose. For the, for the life that.
0: of me, I couldn't I couldn't work out where you'd got a curry verse from. Yeah, the
2: zoo. <laughs> where else? The zoo of the all zoo. places,
0: you know, yeah, why not? Why wouldn't you get a curry verse in the zoo? It seems totally legit to me. <laughs>
2: yeah, and it was it was a BO curry verse as well. Mm-hmm. So it was a, it was a top draw. It was it's the most expensive curry verse I've ever had, that is certain but what I kind of wanted to talk about was that it's absolutely wild to me that you can go to the zoo here and buy beer. Is that not a little bit odd?
1: Who signed off on that?
2: Germany, as a nation,
0: <laughs> said,
2: this is fine.
0: I think I've only been to two zoos in the UK. One of them was London Zoo when I was really young. So I don't really remember that being a... You definitely can't buy beer at London yeah. Zoo.
2: There is definitely no alcohol allowed on the premises. There. And
0: Edinburgh Zoo, which definitely there isn't... I think it's an enjoyable idea to have alcohol in the zoo. What, what can be more fun than being a little bit... Bummed? And looking at some penguins. (laughs) It it kind of works.
2: I did enjoy a beer with my currywurst. But it also struck me, and we did see a few of these people, where it's like the best case scenario for a divorced dad who only has weekend visitation. Like you can walk around with your kid, drinking and smoke. Smoking is allowed as well.
0: Yeah, smoking is allowed, yeah. So you
2: can drink and smoke with your kid in a place where there are other people to supervise your child if it runs off. It just kind of struck me that that would never happen in the UK. Or the US. And I don't know if any other European nations are so laissez faire with their beer consumption
0: with deadly animals in the mix. Gotta assume, like, the French would be into it. I'd assume a French zoo would be, like, okay with alcohol. Zoos are quite depressing, right? That's what I find, anyway. I find zoos, like, they're, they're <laughs> animal prisons, right? True, yeah. I'm not sure, alcohol is a, de- is a depressive, so I'm not sure if it's really doing anyone any favours by, like, here's a really depressing location for you to drink this de- this drink that makes people depressed. <laughs> I've, I've had it.
1: Is, it. is it maybe to bring in the people? Was there a time when smoking and drinking... <laughs> were banned in a zoo and then nobody just turned up during the weekend. <laughs> I, I can't imagine any other scenario.
0: Augsburg Zoo, now with more smoking. <laughs> Drink all you want. Get, see, see a duck and then have a pint and then see an elephant and then have another pint.
2: There was also a, a pretty cool set of dudes that decided, uh, whilst they were looking at the tiger, mm. that what it needed on top of their beers was a joint. Uh, so there were two dudes just like smoking weed out in the open in front of That's kids. That's pretty risky. Yeah. My nose was twitching. I was just like, why... Oh those guys are smoking a joint.
0: It's just like being back in Portland. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty weird. <laughs> now, that, that I would have said was a much bigger risk than, than drinking because the punishment for possession in Bavaria is pretty, pretty tough. They really they really don't like that electric lettuce, do they? Yeah, I think drinking and smoking probably wouldn't be a good idea in one of those environments, especially like, what if like you have one of those animal escapes?
2: But the, there were some zebras that recently escaped. I think it was Houston Zoo. Some zebras got loose and the local law enforcement have given up trying to catch them because apparently, quote, they're too fast. (laughs) which is just lovely i love these good old boys fix anything but oh bit outwitted by some zebras of all
0: the animals that could like break out while you're in a zoo like zebras are a pretty good option you're not gonna mm-hmm. be too concerned if a zebra comes wandering up to you
1: you won't get mauled by them there is that
2: i imagine a herd of zebras like they could trample you they could trample you quick
0: zebras are geordies though aren't they so they just see me and they would be like ah we'll not trample this guy's He's a Newcastle United fan as well, you know.
2: Yeah, but is that enough to stop a Geordie punching that zebra having mistaken it for a police horse?
0: (laughs) Um probably not I mean we do have a track record of punching horses so I mean I mean it's once but I mean once is enough D- to explain Dilly there was a football match between Newcastle and Sunderland was there drinking was uh, there drinking always.
1: like in the German zoos well, no
0: no this is just drinking just average everyday British drinking you know like it's uh-huh. a Sunday let's get hammered and basically there was a big football match between Newcastle and Sunderland and Newcastle lost quite badly uh-huh. and then the next day the newspapers were full of images of a Newcastle fan punching a police horse It's one. it's one of those things that you can't you can't talk your way out of someone (laughs) will be like we have a conversation and you'll be like I'm from newcastle Oh, you like punching police horses don't you and i'm like no
1: (laughs) i think that's very clever it's something i think of when i see the movies uh, all these movies of people in battle on horses right and Mm -hmm. why is it that we don't just take out all the horses i know it's very cruel but nobody aims at the horses and you're like fighting other people but if you just i don't know like throw chili at all the horses the men don't have anywhere to go (laughs) and then the battle is lost or won I think that's very clever i
0: think it happens in a few it definitely happens in game of thrones i know that there's a bit of weird. course
1: game of thrones they wouldn't spare the horses
0: that yeah, the yeah.
2: historical <laughs> accuracy
0: well i guess there was like a, a veil of chivalry over like the the medieval period maybe that was it but i assume like in the old west they would have shot your horse yeah and like left you to to your own devices. When you go and see the the armories here in
2: Germany, they do have huge suits of armour for the horse that would include a skirt that went down to floor length so they couldn't be attacked. So obviously it was an issue at one point.
0: (laughs) Going back to the drinking in zoos, I think it's an example of... Places in Germany you wouldn't expect to find beer, like a motorway service station or like mm-hmm. a, a gas station. These are places that shouldn't sell alcohol, but you walk into a, a tankstelle here and there's like the energy drinks, then there's like a fridge full of beers. And I'm like, really?
2: I've got another, even weirder <laughs> one, I think. Yeah. Swimming pools.
0: Yeah, you talked about swimming pools and schnitzel, didn't you?
2: You can you can drink beer at a swimming pool here. Not Maybe not everyone, but the ones I went to up north, there was a restaurant that sold everything, including beer. Why not get drunk and swim? That's never going to be a problem definitely a
0: hazard right
2: like water and alcohol <laughs>
1: i mean the glass at least the glass on the tires
2: is it slipping hazard yeah it's all relative isn't it i mean that like in in russia it wasn't that long ago that beer wasn't even considered an alcoholic drink because it had to be over I think 12% was their threshold Uh, and so it was legal for kids to buy a beer at 5%, 6% and drink it.
1: It's like Rabina.
2: It was just like advertisers, yeah water and hops. I want that to be
0: true. I definitely hope that's a true true fact. It is true. It definitely fits in my compartment of this is what Russia's like. (laughs) Hardy. That's what it is.
2: I'm not drunk I've just had beer. But you have like a lower
0: age to buy alcohol in Germany so you're 16 to drink beer and wine. I think it's 18 to drink spirit. And that creates a strange scenario where you go to Oktoberfest or you go to like a beer festival and you walk in and everyone's sitting at beer banks drinking beer or weisswein And then there's like a little section that's got a security guard and a fence around it and it's the cocktail bar. And they protect the cocktail bar like it's the most important VIP in the building, you know? And it's just like, <laughs> like I've been ID'd and I'd I love to think that I look like I'm I'm 18 or under 18. But like when you're being ID'd, I think it was in, since some doorfest a couple of years ago, I got ID'd and I was just like you're a bit overzealous aren't you mate (laughs) can't you see my grey hairs (laughs) (laughs) the law's the law well that's it it's like alcohol alcohol, you wouldn't expect to find it and then alcohol in places you would expect to to find it but secured by the burliest looking security guards this side of Munich so I don't quite understand what the lesson is from this it's like if you go to a service station or a zoo or a swimming pool you can buy alcohol but if you're in Oktoberfest you've got to navigate security I, I don't quite understand it's very weird Yeah, I'm pretty
2: sure I couldn't (laughs) buy a cocktail at the zoo. Uh, So I think there is that clear distinction between beer and wine and everything
0: else. Cocktail night at the zoo. Mm. Do you
1: want to hear an alcohol and Sri Lanka fact?
0: Yeah, go on, please. We'd love to.
1: So in Sri Lanka, women are not legally allowed to pay for their own alcohol meaning that they shouldn't be drinking. It means that when I'm in the supermarket and we buy beer, so I'm with my father, my father's grinning from ear to ear because uh, I'm paying for the groceries. And and then they say, no, she can't pay because there's beer in it. So then I'm grinning ear to ear because my father has to pay for the groceries.
0: That's bizarre. It's very bizarre. Is it a 20th century law or is this going back further than the 20th century?
1: No, no, it goes back. But um, at some point, I think it was either in 2009 or 2018, a president reversed the law. He reversed the law, then he slept on it. And a few days later, he he went back on his word, and women can't buy alcohol.
0: He slept. He slept on it.
1: I'm being kind. Like, I'm being kind. It's
0: a terrible reason to like change your mind. Granted, <laughs> I've never heard of a politician like just flip flopping that quickly and just being, like, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, <laughs> just gonna change my <laughs> mind. But
2: did like tens of thousands of Sri Lankan women go out and get absolutely shit faced to celebrate it? Is this what made him change his mind? Was it like social disorder?
1: I don't <laughs> think that was the reason. I think it, he, it somehow occurred to him that the Buddhist Sri Lankan culture can't have women mm-hmm. drinking, at least officially. I don't think he explained it very well, and therefore I can't either. <laughs> yeah,
0: if he doesn't have any logic, then I'm sure you explaining it is going to have sort of minus logic at that point. But
2: Drop day for this here episode number 40 is the 18th of September, the year of our Lord 2021. Today, it turns out, is quite a lot of things. Uh, it is apparently International Red Panda Day, which is awesome. Nick Dilly, are you fans of the mighty red panda? And if not, what is a better animal in the zoo?
1: What is a red panda?
2: Oh my god, you are such a lucky person if you're about to learn what uh-huh. a red panda is for the first time. It is the cutest combination of panda and lemur, and they are divine
1: oh. Oh, it looks like a little fox. <laughs> he's just
0: fallen in love. <laughs>
2: when you see video of them being surprised, oh, pure internet gold right there. So yeah, take a moment to find a video. Red Panda's surprise.
1: Oh, they're cute.
0: I mean, they're cute, but like, they're so memeable that they've become almost like a parody. It's one of those, like, if you had Red Pandas in your zoo, there'd just be loads of Instagram influencers standing next to them going like, look. Look at the panda. I'm with the panda. Me and the pandas are friends. We all wearing Gucci, you know, or whatever it is that Instagram influencers do. Is, is, is that your honestly your favourite animal in the zoo? So, uh,
2: yeah, I'd say so. Never lets you down. There are more impressive animals, like the rhinoceros is just mm-hmm. a, a magnificent animal and so foreign from anything you experience in day to day. Be yeah, the red panda. It's just it's the cutest. It's the fluffiest. It's the most adorable and
0: I want to cuddle it so badly and I don't want to cuddle a rhino. It is fluffy. Monkeys and yeah. apes all day for me. It's <laughs> the only reason I go to a zoo is if, if they have a gorilla, that's a good reason to go. Apes are fun, but what you want is like lemurs or something like yeah. that. Something with a tail that like hangs off of things. I, I love something I love like lemurs. that. Anything like that would be right up my street. But Okay,
2: so Dilly, do you, do you have a favorite animal at the zoo?
1: I don't know if I want to see elephants at the zoo, mm-hmm. but I just generally like elephants. Um, Particularly since I've come to Germany, I appreciate things larger than mice more than I did, I think. Because in these forests, you don't come across Mm -hmm. larger animals. I mean, I haven't seen deer. The wolves are back, I hear, but they may also retreat just as fast if some people have their way. So I do appreciate a good elephant. It's massive. It's just larger than life. Just seeing an animal with that big is a treat. And to see something like a trunk is even more of a treat.
2: I I have a good elephant fact. Oh,
1: do share.
2: The word jumbo, we used to mean very big, comes from the first imported elephant into America for the use in a circus. He was called jumbo. And from there, we used the word jumbo to mean massive. massive.
1: And also to mean elephants, right? A jumbo.
2: Yeah, you have jumbo and then dumbo, of course. So that anything with a U-M-B-O suddenly became like part of the elephant Vocabulary. Ah.
0: Do, you, do you want a secondary elephant fact? Do yes. share. Yes. Up until like the, the early 20th century, it was assumed to be a fact that elephants only drank wine. So if you saw an elephant in the zoo, <laughs> from like the sort of the inception of zoos in the Victorian era and sort of the mid uh, 19th century you'd probably be seeing a drunk elephant and in fact that th- this was common thought in-, in France up until the 1930s so if you couldn't find a drunk elephant in sort of Britain or America you might have found one in France but yeah <laughs> for centuries they were just giving elephants wine and they were like why are they dying so quickly? <laughs> like, they've all got alcohol poisoning They're not being poisoned by the water <laughs> <laughs> no. Good point I mean I wouldn't have drank the water either you know
2: As well as international panda day it is also cheeseburger day and so if you're looking for an excuse to smash your way through a big old sweaty burger there you go you are welcome the next two feel suspiciously like a facebook plan for further growth it is also first love day and locate an old friend day is this a friend from ye olden days or a friend who is enjoying retirement either way Get logged on and find an old friend, or if social media is not your thing, get out into them woods and see if you can locate that friend that went missing all those years ago. As I said at the top of this section, it turns out today is a lot of things. What other things I hear you ask? Well, it's also read an ebook day. Mm. Any recommendations for a good ebook, you two?
0: Is that a real thing? Read an ebook day? Yeah,
2: sponsored by Amazon Prime, I think.
1: <laughs> Ulysses. I would recommend that as an ebook because it's very heavy. <laughs>
2: But isn't the best thing about Ulysses is the fact that you can put it on your shelf and be like, no. look at this, no. look at this
1: beast. And impress you know, your visitors. I read a
0: no. hundred
2: pages of this.
0: No. I've got a copy of Ulysses and I've, I don't put it on my bookshelf for that exact reason. I'm modest, you see. I just keep it in a drawer away from people.
2: The drawer of shame of books you haven't finished. Books, it, is, it really is a book I
0: haven't finished. I'm halfway through it and I've been reading it for five years. So, I'll get there in the end, I'm sure. But I think that's a genius idea, get, get Ulysses, because it's heavy. I thought ebooks were the, the sole preserve of fan fiction and weird Fifty Shades of Grey amateur authors. That's what ebooks are for, isn't it? For, like, self-publishing. I
2: mean, it makes self-publishing a hell of a lot easier, sure, but any big title is being published as an e-book, hardback and paperback these days. I'd
0: recommend an e-book by this uh, aspiring author called Nick Houghton. You've got
1: to write the
2: book before you can start plugging it, bro. <laughs>
1: No. And he hasn't finished reading Ulysses. That's
0: what it's called. I'm not finished reading this book and what, and other stories. <laughs> <laughs> There's a book I'd recommend. It doesn't necessarily have to be an ebook.
2: No, it has to be an ebook. The whole point of this is <sighs> an ebook day.
0: Like right, okay then, um, uh, some fan fiction about all the Doctor Who's having some kind of sexual uh, meet up. I don't know something like that. I guess that's my okay. option. <laughs> Did not anticipate that answer.
1: No, but I can't get the image of David Tennant out of my head now.
0: See, I've done you a favour, Dilly, if anything. You
1: have. <laughs>
0: right, moving
2: on. <laughs> Today is also Hug a Greeting Card Writer Day. Because, you know, greeting card writers need love and affection too. It's not fair they dole out all these lovely sentiments and get nothing back. Really, screw you guys who are not hugging your greeting card writer.
1: Um, not to screw with the semantics, but aren't we all greeting card writers?
2: <laughs> I think if, yeah, that, that logic means you get a hug.
1: Anything for a hug. David Tennant, a hug from David Tennant.
2: You want more days? <laughs> You've got it. It's also Eat an Apple Day, Water Monitoring Day, Respect Day, and Gymnastics Day. So if you really want to nail the heck out of today, you need to snap on that Lycra onesie, head to the reservoir, test the water by dousing your apple in it, and then respectfully disposing of the core. You can do it be all things to all people.
0: How do you celebrate water monitoring day? Do you just like pour a glass of water and look at it and be like, mm, "It's it looks like water to me. You That's
2: pour it on the pavement so this good. pH is for my homeboys.
0: <laughs> when you're on Twitter, there's always like, today's the day of this or it's cheeseburger day or something like that. And I'm always kind of like, why is there so many days? And just like corporations in America just go and like, it's milk day. We're going to promote milk. There's plenty of them. Cookie day. But there isn't like a schnitzel day. There isn't Augustina day. There isn't a Pfefferbeisser day. Maybe we should start creating our own like German days. Getting them sort of pushing them into the calendar and going, oh, it's, did you know it's uh, it's uh, Pfefferbeisser day? Oh, yeah, yeah, let's celebrate Pfefferbeisser.
2: You're fighting an uphill battle against the people who want to refer to anything in calendar weeks. Hmm. Yeah, this is calendar wach for Pfefferbeisser.
0: You've already made the, the idea better by that suggestion. We don't have days, we have weeks of this. So like, think of all the products we could highlight, you know, Kinder Egg Week. I mean, it's Easter, right? But it's still, anyway.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I think you could come up with something like, uh, it's pineapple on your schnitzel day and people will egg your new house.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Imagine, like, imagine the the (laughs) shit you could cause online. I remember I, I posted something at Christmas about putting Stalin in the toaster and the amount of, like, opprobrium I got for it. People were really... They were really upset at the idea of putting Stollen in, in a toaster. It's a great idea.
2: There was someone that did cheese on toast Stollen in the end, which was genius, challenging to accept as reality, but I kind of want to do but it. But I love
0: that you. person because they totally took all the all the shit from everyone else. They, they were like my de- deflector shield went up and it's like, look, I've got cheese on my Stollen. And everyone's just like, no. And it sort of went, <laughs> went after them. So like, I was quite thankful that they were were there to help. But.
2: To bring back a semblance of normal service, today is also the birthday of the great Samuel Johnson, or Dr. Johnson, as he's often called. Dr. Johnson is, of course, the man who published a two-volume, a dictionary of the English language, back in 1755. It was not the first dictionary, but it was the largest and the most comprehensive in terms of definitions. Johnson did not work systematically from a word list, but marked up books he read for copying. It is no surprise that some earlier dictionaries contain more words, and the Johnsons had some striking omissions. For example, the word literary was not
0: included in his dictionary. I wanted to try and impress Simon and Dilly with my Samuel Johnson knowledge, so I'm going to lay it down. This one I think you'll both appreciate okay mm-hmm. so samuel johnson was known to drink up to 25 cups of tea in one sitting one sitting i don't quite know what wow. one sitting consists of but his biographer said i suppose no person ever enjoyed with more relish the infusion of the f- that fragrant leaf than johnson mm-hmm. and and johnson's quote was tea's proper uses to amuse the idol and relax the studious <laughs> that's good dude I like that how
1: long was one sitting I'm, I'm i'm just wondering at his bladder 25 cups of tea and one <laughs> sitting big
0: bloke so i I mean one sitting. I mean, it's also it's the eighteenth century, isn't it? So one sitting could be like eight hours. Go to Mrs.
2: Miggins's This
0: is Megan's tea house. Okay, so that's one fact I've got for you about Mr. Samuel Johnson. Doctor. Sorry, Dr. <laughs> Samuel Johnson. I do apologise. I should give him his proper title. Yeah. He also lived a very long time. He was born in 18th of September, 1709, and lived until the 13th of December, 1784. So, pretty long-lived bloke. Yeah,
1: that's a decent, yeah.
0: Decent chunk of time. Despite being famous for writing the dictionary, he didn't finish his Oxford degree.
2: He's also become a meme as well. There is... A- a portrait of him looking confused at a book, breaking the fourth wall, and looking at the artist. And it's now used as a like, "What did he say?" type comment, or "What did you write?" because it's definitely referring to text. So yeah, Dr. Johnson is now a meme.
0: Well, it, apparently, a young, a young Samuel Johnson was turned down for a teaching job because the uh, head teacher at the school was worried that his the way that he distorted his face would scare the pupils. So that's just does speak to. Uh, the particularly odd look that the man had on his face at the regular times anyway. So.
1: Oh, he sounds very expressive.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so nice. <laughs> we sound like terrible people.
2: <laughs> I mean, whenever I think of him, I just think of Blackadder Third, and yeah. makes me think of Aardvark. Uh, so yeah. to honour the good old dictionary and Dr. Johnson, a quick, really simple question. What is the best word in the whole of the English language? I
0: think I have two to the first mm-hmm. one i go for is serendipity it's a pretty fun word to say like i like the dippity bit I, th- I don't think i don't know how you couldn't like the dippity bit it's the first word my second word is defenestration it's not only a fun word to say it's really funny it's a funny act it's, it's the, the act of throwing someone out of a window is to defenestrate somebody I, I like he made it a person oh, yeah, no. <laughs> you, you didn't the, defenestrate the start it's a famous it's a famous incident at the start of the reformation was the defenestration of Prague where the through I believe it's the Protestants through the Catholics out the window and you can go and see the window where the defenestration of Prague occurred and it's a very small window but no one died luckily because they all fell into a big cart of manure so it's kind of like also the first slapstick routine ever recorded
2: inspiration for back to the future too
0: very much so manure i hate manure that's what they, they all shouted but obviously in czech <coughs> <coughs> quick google translate my german's bad enough we're not going to be starting getting me speaking czech <laughs>
1: I'm pretty proud of the word ayo. It's a Sri Lankan English word that made its way into the OED a couple of years ago. So it's A-Y-Y-O. It's an exclamation that can mean anything. It can mean a range of emotions. So ranging from sad to oh ayo the dog is so cute or the red panda is so cute ayo to you know someone died ayo or you spilled the water everywhere ayo yeah it's quite versatile and I'm very proud of the Sri Lankan English word in the dictionary
0: it sounds like <laughs> some of my wife would say ayo Nick you've forgotten to do this oh yeah dear. Oh, sorry Oops. it's quite
1: fitting yeah yeah. I'm also desensitizing everyone to it because I say it a lot and I want people around me to know the
0: meaning <laughs> um, well Dilly Dilly and me have, have said what our favourite words are, so Simon, what's your favourite
2: word? I'm a huge fan of the word ineffable. It's, it's, just, it's a good word. Ineffable. And it also, it, if something can't be effed, it's ineffable. It's
1: ineffable. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds posh, I must say. It's ineffable. That's
0: pretty much my role here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the dynamic of Decades From Home. I'm... <laughs>
1: Germany is not a country overflowing with optimism. At least, that's what we are constantly told. The concept of German Angst over social and political change has been so widely disseminated, it's simply accepted that Germans are collectively racked by fear of the future. Many commentators will sagely point out that there is in fact a German word for this terror. Zukunftsangst. Future fear. Impressive, but then German has so many words which succinctly describe what requires a sentence in English. German is a nouny language. Pointing that out is the equivalent of telling people that forests have a lot of trees. I would add to this. When I first moved to Germany, and I was 27, and I had lived in Sri Lanka, I have been to places, to houses, and I haven't broken anything. Or at least I hadn't broken anything. But then I come here and then friends bring up the um, the Haftflicht position. Do you have Haftflicht position? Mm-hmm. No. Well, you know, you need Haftflicht position. And someone actually like literally forced me to a computer to sign up for this. And that's <laughs> apparently a German fear of breaking other people's things. And then the insurance will pay for that. I've never broken anyone's anything in my life and I have half-fledged position that I've never used. But
0: you <laughs> might use it. You might use it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so in that case, Nick and Simon, what is your biggest Zukunftsangst?
0: Short-term or long-term, I guess is a good responding question to that you shouldn't answer questions for questions really but you just did like, i think we
2: can go long term when it's the
0: short term i'm worried about newcastle getting relegated but long term <laughs> i guess it's climate change but but i'm really focused on that short-term.
2: climate change i'm with you on
1: that i'm going to do and join a demonstration in geese in a few weeks
2: yeah it kind of has to be that any other choices is it's very selfish uh, at this point like when we look at the issues coming to huge swathes of the world in the next 50 years in terms of climate change. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, Greece and Turkey, obviously awful what happened there, but nothing compared to what's going to happen uh, in parts of northern China, where humidity will be just unsustainable for human life within our lifetimes. Currently, Germany's fears about the future are coalescing around the upcoming election, and specifically the end of Angela Merkel's time as Chancellor. Lauded for many things during her time in office, one word comes up over and over again as Merkel leaves the stage. Stability. Above all, her successes, and despite her failures, she steadied the ship, presided over massive economic growth, and managed to maintain a level of popularity that few politicians ever achieve, let alone those in power for a decade and a half. For more on that, please do check out last week's episode where Courtney Tens laid it all out for us.
0: How does this supposed angst manifest itself day to day? Do Germans spend their time rending their clothes asunder, weeping and wailing at the top of their lungs? Well, not quite although I wouldn't rule anything out. Usually fear of the future is met head on among the population. We all know we can't control the uncontrollable, but in Germany, there is at least hope that the worst effects can be negated. So, question guys, what are your fear management techniques? Do you have any specifically German fear management techniques? I find hiding under my desk is quite good. I don't know about you guys, What maybe screaming into a pillow perhaps, oh, who knows.
2: <laughs> a big Euro pillow, an 80 by 80 <laughs> to take the massive scream I need to let out. I've also found <laughs> schnapps and beer to be quite effective <laughs> at uh, curtailing fear.
1: Ah, the plum schnapps.
0: That's why he's making all the plum schnapps, is because he's, he's stocking up just That'll in case it. It, all goes, it all goes wrong. I'll take the edge right <laughs> off. I don't know, dr- drinking seems like the obvious one, Like it's, too, it's almost too obvious. I
1: like um, going on hikes with my partner, so we take time on weekends. Uh, We find a nice forest somewhere and we drive there. We -hmm. get there and we walk the entire length of it. That takes your mind off things until you come to all the trees cut down that no one has replanted. And then you have angst all over again. Just taking a break, being one with the nature as they say it helps quite a bit i'm
0: i'm I'm concerned dilly that you're far too wholesome for this podcast what i like is there's a secret (laughs) narrative now of like is dilly making making simon and nick better or is simon and nick making dilly worse worse yeah yeah really so next time you're on if you're like well i had a bottle of schnapps at the weekend i was swinging from a bottle. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's just beer It's not even alcohol in some of the countries, what are complaining about? Had a fight
0: with a man in the street who didn't even know his name. <laughs> Geordie Knight-out, excellent. Yeah, so insurance is one example of German attempts to n- negate the dangers of the future. Most Germans have at least one form of insurance or another, and plenty of options should they decide to get more. From massive national providers to small mom-and-pop-run companies, there is an insurance option for everyone. Anecdotally, when I lived in the center of Augsburg, there was no corner store nearby. But we did have a bakery and two insurance brokers in our street. All three providing various comforts for their angsty clientele.
2: Germans are also prone to saving their money. 2020 marked the eighth year in a row that private households of Germany save more money than any other country in the Eurozone. The Stiftung Warentest, a consumer organisation, is still the mark of the highest quality. And through its stringent tests of consumer products, it helps shoppers make the right choice from soup to laptop computers. The trend for buying massive American-style SUVs and pickup trucks points to a desire to remain completely safe or possibly the growing trend of German penile overcompensation. It's it's definitely the the little dick thing, surely.
0: Yeah, totally. Every time I see anyone (laughs) in one of them Dodge Ram trucks, I'm like...
1: Who doesn't even know the road rules?
2: I mean, like, the, the massive BMWs and Mercedes, like nine times out of ten it's some like old dude yeah it's very scary to see him driving a ship on wheels at least he's kind of he's like fuck it i'm retired i'm gonna spend my money like this i kind of respect that but if you're some like cowboy wannabe getting into your america style pickup with shitty yep. performance and consumption yep. really makes my blood boil and there's loads of them around where i live now <laughs> i saw a car at the zoo and it said bavarian redneck
0: on it and I was just like, you
2: suck. You suck
0: so hard. German angst isn't necessarily irrational or totally deserving of ridicule. In some ways, being fearful brings a sensible level of caution. Nevertheless, caution isn't the same as precognition. We can't predict the future and only a fool would claim they could. Merkel angst is nothing new in Germany. If we go back to the beginning of her time in office, it wasn't entirely clear that the newly elected Angela Merkel would go on to be the exemplar of stability she is today.
2: Deutsche Welle published a list of the most prevalent fears in Germany today topping the list with 53 percent of respondents citing it as a fear is
1: what is it sharks
2: no it's not sharks
0: uh is it a skynet style ai system that wipes out all of mankind
2: nope
1: um is it a meteor striking the planet and wiping out all life on earth
0: no is it the emergence of a new breed of hyperwolf who gains a taste for human flesh decimating the human population (laughs) no it's, it's, it's not that
1: Oh, okay, is it is it Lashut?
2: No, <laughs> stop trying to guess. I'll fill you in. The number one fear is, in fact, tax rises. Of <laughs> course, of <laughs> course, of course. course, it's tax rises. To be fairer to respondents, it is in fact tax hikes due to COVID. But still, sure, there's deadly disease that's killed hundreds of thousands. is scary. But what about the impending tax increases to pay for it all? That's scary.
0: Yeah, I mean, is it? Is it though? Is that the thing that we've got to be worried about? Tax rises because of COVID? Maybe maybe there's other things. So what's number two? Number two is rising
2: cost of living. Sure, not the greatest vibe in the world, but the second greatest fear seems like overdoing it. Munich is pig expensive, to brutalise that translation, and there are some rapid increases to rent and cost of living. The rent limit in Berlin failed. Life could be cheaper. But allow us to look to the UK and USA. I sleep well at night, knowing I'm not being rent robbed on the scale I once was back home or in the Pacific Northwest.
1: What about number three? That's got to be sharks.
2: No, still no sharks. It is more tax hikes. These ones are from the EU debt though, so I guess that's better than the deadly virus. This is an interesting one, as we've just seen announced that national insurance in the UK attacks on earnings and self-employed profits are set to rise by 10%. UK national insurance contributions are paid into a fund from which some state benefits are paid. This includes a state pension, statutory sick pay, and maternity leave, or entitlement to additional unemployment benefits. Just what the government promised not to do, it has done. What a surprise. So that's the top three. What about the others? Well, we have refugees, pollutants in food, care for the elderly, Conflicts due to immigration. Fight us <laughs>
0: what, like us, just just us. <laughs> yeah.
2: fight
1: us. What is
0: fight us? F- us fighting them, he's like, fight us. Yeah. We're immigrants. <laughs> fight us.
2: We're conflict due to immigration. I've got one right here. Yeah,
0: we've got three right here, you motherfuckers. <laughs> I'll give you your conflict. Diddy's like, nah I don't really want to have a fight. <laughs>
2: Fight me, okay. I'll, I'll keep Dilly out of this. Also on the list was natural disasters. Uh, surprisingly low, considering the awful flooding this yeah. year. Um, politicians being overwhelmed. Um, what, like they've just got too worry, much, too much work? got
0: to worry about the politicians. Yes, they're, they're busy. They're busy politicians. Bullshit. Politicians being overwhelmed. That's such a weird thing. Like I'm really mm-hmm. worried about the. They might have too much work to do. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> Every politician in Germany over the last, what, six to eight weeks has been saying how much stuff there needs to be done in Germany. And now we're worried that they're taking on too much. It is. It is pretty curious.
2: The final one we had on this list was a rather apocalyptic sound deterioration of the economy.
0: <gasps> <gasps> the
2: deterioration of the economy.
0: Did you see what happened? A bit of the economy fell off and almost hit that poor lad <laughs> over there, you know. It's like just it's fallen from the sky. It's deteriorating <laughs> you,
1: you know what this reminds me of? Are you too familiar with the TV series Bill I've heard the name of that It's a detective it. no. series based in I think Munich. So you have this detective and his sidekick is a tax officer. You know, there's no muscle involved, but whenever like something goes wrong, you have the tax officer showing his ID, going, "We we have to like go over your accounts or something." And and, and you can see the fear in people's faces. So I can I can completely imagine this whole fear of tax increases and stuff it has a tv series going
0: i think there is like an honest to god terror of the idea yeah, of like yeah. having an it audit
1: the i
0: certainly wouldn't want it happening to me actually now i am afraid <laughs> i wasn't afraid before and now I, now i have the fear this week we decided to have a look at one of the pretty unusual aspects of german shopping culture die Apotheke, or the pharmacy Reading descriptions of an apotheca, you might think they are simply pharmacies with an antiquated name. Stepping into an apotheca is actually a chance to encounter a world of high fantasy, where mysterious jars of herbs and vials of indeterminate liquid are watched over by the steely gaze of a patrician-like figure adorned in a blazing white coat. Now, this is my experience of Bavarian apotheca, But I'm not entirely sure if it's accurate for the rest of Germany. But I'm not sure if that's just because I live in Augsburg. And Augsburg is essentially like a giant cosplay set for people who want to pretend they're still in the Middle Ages.
1: I I know the kind you mean. Sometimes you have like very old establishments with their nice uh, mortar and pestle somewhere in a window. And uh, these wooden drawers that you mean. But the one I go to here in Gießen, you have um, wooden drawers. The, uh they just come out of the world but with medication, so not herbs. But there is a lady behind the counter, and there are two ladies. But if you if you encounter this particular lady, you don't leave the apotheca for the next half hour. Yeah, she she tries to sell you everything, everything with cranberry, everything with herbs and um anything that she thinks is natural. So and me being the South Asian, I stand there Uh, politely nodding not not knowing how to say this is not what I want so she will show me five things I will smile at five things she's pissed that I'm not buying it (laughs) (laughs) it's
0: it's a weird scenario where if you just said no she'd be like oh yeah fine no problem but if you listen to her for too long and then say no, she's like, so rude. <laughs>
1: I have mean, directly told her no, but uh, I don't know. She doesn't get it. And by the time I'm too insistent and these are these are speech acts that that, that are not in the textbook, sadly.
2: There are options. Options abound. The apathetic that I used to use the most, healthcare system in Germany means I'm only allowed to get 100 pills at a time of my medication. And yeah, I'm on a, basically a... I guess it's an eight-week cycle. And so I'd always go to the same taker every, every couple of months. And after a while, they got to know who I was. And it was a very civil experience. It was very yeah. nice. The decor was it was glass. It wasn't all wood and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was quite nice. Um, but yeah, since I left, since I've moved, I've now explored a couple more Appetakers. And I found ones that are like modern white nightclubs. Everything is like shiny and glistening and clean and sterile. And the one nearest me now is what Nick described at the top of the section. Everything is mahogany coloured. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of bronzes, uh, far more bronzes than any appletaker should need. But it, it feels and smells nice. But at the same time, mm-hmm. what I want from my taker, I want to go in, give my prescription, get the pills, and leave. I, I don't want to be upsold anything. Uh, like Dilly, I don't want to have a conversation about my, my health. Mm-hmm. And I don't want them to question my doctors. I, like, I'm, I'm having the pills that are written on that piece of paper. Please and thank you. Goodbye. But yeah, I, I think this this old school apotheca that you talk about, like they're nice. They're, they're, it makes you feel like you're in Germany. That's for sure.
0: Definitely more personable than like some of the pharmacies you get in the UK, where they're sort of stuffed into a supermarket or you know, like you go at the pharmacy and you go, "Here's my prescription." And they go, "Thank you, no problem." And then you do your shopping and you pick mm-hmm. it up and you leave. I kind of like the fact that there's. A level of interest in in what you're doing but at the same time like you said i'm not really into the idea of them going well i, I know a lot of doctors uh, <laughs> they prescribe this and i'm like good for those doctors top i'll take what my doctor said thank you
2: I, i'm certainly <laughs> thankful that my medical conditions are recognized by western <laughs> medicine and that is the approved <laughs> approach to them like if it involved anything homeopathic or cranberry i would be like <laughs> i got kidney disease and i'm sure cranberry is one of the Meopathic suggestions yeah. for dealing with that. I'm yeah, good. 100%. I'm good.
1: Is it is it also the case for you that you get like a complimentary pens, mm, little and tissue? Oh, that that's something I do appreciate in a good German
2: pharmacy. My question is, like where is this mm-hmm. been sourced yeah. from? Yeah, and it's not the kindness of the people of the apotheca, They just get given bags of shit <laughs> by drug reps who are just like, yeah, yeah, have. <laughs> All these tiny bags of taschentuch, like that nobody actually wants. It's not a convenient size. But I've not had a pen.
0: When the baby was born, we picked up a lot of like notepads, pens, free stuff. They were constantly giving us free baby stuff. But it was like, do you know how the sort of narrative in, in films about like drugs or like the police and stuff is the drug dealer will give someone a taste of something for free and then they get them addicted. That's kind of what the, the food companies do with like babies. They're like, here's this like pouch of stuff that's like a fruity kind of thing, it looks healthy. You give it to the baby. It's like crack for the baby. And then the baby's like screaming at you going like, give me more, I want more. And you're like, what have I done? You know, it's <laughs> a failure, you know, I'm a terrible parent.
2: Although they are known to exhibit the full range of emotions, Most interactions with German pharmacists are strained as they attempt to descend to the same level as their clientele while maintaining a heavy disdain for patrons who are foolish enough to ask questions. They might not be wizards, but I sense that given the option, they would be more than happy to see customers explode in a ball of flames. German pharmacists are the masters of their domains and woe betide any who show less than the expected deference.
0: Yeah, I mean, Dilly, you were saying that you had a quite, a, quite a tough salesperson in your... Pushy. I'm, I'm going with pushy. But I've been to ones where <laughs> they've been furious. Like, you walk in, say hello politely, and you give them your prescription, and they take it off of you and storm off into the back room. And I'm like, what did I say? Like, i don't know what that is really like permanently angry and i'm not entirely sure exactly why confidence of them sort of unnerves me but yeah i guess that's what happens when you're dealing with like large amounts of drugs be a bit quite serious you know you got to be quite serious but
1: and the mechanism behind them i'm always um, thrills me to see them just typing something into the computer and then things move at the back, and a mechanical hand takes something and then puts it into a tube and it arrives at the feet of the pharmacist. That's wait, wait, wait,
0: where are you like is this yeah. like the what magic kingdom. What? This? What, what, what
1: this is in the very progressive state of
0: Hessen. Honestly, if you had that in Bavaria, they would have pulled it out of the apothecary and burned it as a witch. 5G. <laughs> <Aye-oh>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the Apotheker hasn't changed much since its inception back in the middle ages many german pharmacies continue to look like they were furnished based on plans found in a first edition of lord of the rings there are the odd exceptions where modern shelving and lighting have become fashionable however it is not uncommon to enter a pharmacy that has wall-to-wall wooden shelving with pottery jars and hundreds of different drawers that are as likely to contain eye of mute or wolfsbane as they are to have paracetamol and a pack of Imodium.
0: This choice of decor makes you feel like you've accidentally joined a group of LARPers on a hunt for some elvish crystals or magic y This is not helped by the fact that they often have a mysterious back room that Although I have no proof, I'm sure contains several pieces of the true cross and at any time houses some kind of demonic visitor. Sure, you might think that they are helping you, but how come last time I bought some sticking plasters, I had to pay with my soul? But one of the interesting things I discovered was you have like manuals in the pharmacy and you have a manual for like pharmaceutical drugs and you also have a manual for homeopathic remedies, which is a similar sort of tome, a similar sort of size. Given it almost the same level of credibility within pharmacies. And there's plenty of places like they'll just fob you off with homeopathic remedies. And there was one i saw the other day. There were, I'm not sure if it was in, I think it was in Britain mm-hmm. that were offering it. But the German connection was, it was a homeopathic remedy made from the remnants of the Berlin Wall. And it was meant to reduce anxiety or something <laughs> like that. And I, at that point, I was like, that's some real like, high that level bullshit It's clever it's pretty like out there as bullshit goes you know i kind of almost uh-huh. admire that level of we're really absolutely we're really taking the piss out of you now applause <laughs> yeah like my god
2: well, i mean if any listeners out there are are struggling with anxiety message us on twitter and i will send you <laughs> for the low low price of 100 euros 25 milliliters of decades from home own brand
0: homeopathic cure-all No, the best thing to do I've I've discovered is if you just travel to Berlin and just like go to the East Side Gallery and just lick the wall a bit, give it a bit of a lick, and you'll feel like feel right as rain in the morning. I'm sure get it right from the source. (laughs) The purest form of Berlin wall is in Berlin. What do you think? What do you guys think? Do you you, um have you sort of had any experiences being offered sort of homeopathic remedies, or have you ever had a a, a quite Feisty discussion with a German about homeo- homeopathy. I've, too.
1: Had, I've had a doctor prescribe something for a cold. So there was vitamin C and then something homeopathic. So what I do is I go to... The, I, I knew she was going there and I didn't want to have the discussion with the doctor. When I was in the pharmacy, I said I just want the vitamin C and I came home with it. And, um, well, I'm alive, so... <laughs> <laughs> it worked it worked so it worked but yeah. I like I said before like with cran I, I mean um, the two of you um, you don't have uh, people pushing cranberry juice on you for bladder infections and uh, bladder mm. infections as people out there would know if you are if you have a bladder infection before the pharmacist has a chance to push, cranberry and de manosa on you the doctor Mm. has a chance to do that yeah drink lots of water drink cranberry juice and come and see me in two days and uh, and while you're screaming inside for the antibiotics so yeah
0: (laughs) yeah yeah, it's not the first time i've heard that like i've I've had that my wife's had that experience too where where a woman just goes to the doctor especially with male doctors and says like i've got an issue Mm -hmm. and the doctor's like oh no you don't like you don't really have a problem
1: oh gosh yes (laughs) Yes. Like, I've
0: never... I, I've, like, every time I've been... Like, this is pure sort of patriarchy kind of stuff. Like, I, <laughs> I go to the doctor and I say, like... I've got a bit of an ache in my elbow and they're, they're falling over themselves to inject me with something or like force like pills down my throat. Mm-hmm. like, here, have this. The, here's the Pfizer catalogue. Would you like to choose like 16 different remedies we'd suggest? You know, like there's never an issue. It's such a weird difference. Like, do you have to go to the doctors with a man standing next to you? And like, she definitely does. She is ill. And then you'll get like the drugs. I don't understand. Fucking idiocy, like, honestly.
2: Unsurprisingly, German has some very strict laws regarding who can and cannot sell medicine. When shopping in supermarkets, unlike a lot of the rest of the world, you are unable to purchase even the most basic of non-prescription drugs. Legislation dictates that the government has the final say on what constitutes a pharmacy-only product. This obviously gives a lot of power to the pharmacies, but thankfully, German has roughly a billion different laws governing the field. So, I mean, how much better would it be if we could buy certain meds in the supermarket? Like, I'm not talking about like a heroin substitute, I'm not looking for like dopamine and Reva, but like paracetamol or ibuprofen, surely that's got to be okay.
0: I still find it weird that you can't just buy paracetamol, ibuprofen, low level flu remedies.
2: I'm just going to have to correct both of our pronouns. Ibuprofen in German. <laughs>
0: Um one of my the best conversations I ever had was when I asked someone if they had any paracetamol and they went, What? And I was like, Do you have any paracetamol? And they went, What? And I was like, Paracetamol? And they were like, Ah oh, yeah, paracetamol and I was like, like it's not that hard, it's not that much of a difference. Like, come on, work with me here, people. Like you can't even get bonjella. Like Bonjal is the most innocuous you've got a bit of something wrong with your gum, put some bonjella on it. It's not it's not like anyone's overdosing on it you can't get for, like, like outside of an apotheca. Who
1: or what is Bongella?
0: Bongella is basically like if you have like, an, mm. if you say if you bit the inside of your mouth or you had like a, um, some kind of um, something. You burnt your tongue. Yeah, like or you, you maybe you'd done something to your gum or you got some cyst or something, a small like yeah. s- injury to your mouth. You put Bongella on and it's basically like an antiseptic for your mouth. Is it yeah. is it witch hazel? Is that what Bonjela is?
2: Salbanus apparently is is witch hazel.
0: Salbanus
2: <laughs> clean nut wizard nut Salbanus. Oh, Salba Sal
0: it- I thought you said Salba, not salber Salba. <laughs> because the difference is obvious to everyone listening. I, I've got I'm enjoying visualising
2: a wizard nut back to Lord of the Rings without even realising.
0: it. <laughs> indeed. It is hoped that having so much legislation ensures that customers will receive high quality medicine from informed pharmacists. The many rules governing pharmacies also prevent modern corporate ideas taking over in the hope that conflicts between profit growth and patient care can be avoided. It is argued that opening the market to free competition would only decrease the care offered to customers, but the government has yet to consider any kind of revision. By impeding the attempts to commercialize them, it can be argued that they are ensuring a high quality of service. Then again, this may keep the price of drugs artificially high. Ownership is also regulated, which in practice means that a pharmacist can own one main branch and three separate branches. There seems to be a lot of protection in order to give patients peace of mind, which is quite interesting when you discover that medicine in Germany recognizes homeopathy, as we said, as a legitimate course of treatment. I really wasn't joking about the fantasy nature of the apotheker. Should you ever have to visit one, Make sure they don't give you a poultice made of moss and chicken feet. Then again, that's probably a marked improvement on whatever any homeopath might recommend you.
1: I have been told by my elderly neighbor that when I have a sore throat, if I... um... Either put potatoes or onions, slices of one of those. And and if I cover it all up with a nice shawl and sleep with it, then I'll be better the next day. I don't know if this is sore throat or fever, but there are these things floating around. I've heard
0: it, like put them in your socks or something like that. That's what I've heard.
1: Ah, There is that too. There is that too.
0: I don't know if that's ever really ever worked for anyone, but people swear by it. I've heard it more than once from more than a few people who I thought were quite thoughtful, intelligent people, but I'm reconsidered in light of that information.
1: (laughs) I I don't want to wash my bed linen that
0: often. Why does your house smell like onions? Hello, Freunde. A big thank you to Diddy for joining us this week. You can look forward to her joining us in a few weeks' time. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes or retweet us like Jonathan, Snooker, Al and Reagan's bloggerin did. Thanks to all of you for the support. If you'd like to support the show and gain yourself a shout-out on the podcast, retweet us, share a link or post with the hashtag DecadesFromHome, all lowercase, on Twitter or Instagram. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon on at decades from Home. You can tweet me at 40%German. You can also get us on 40%German at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%German.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis next nächsten Mal. Tschüss! Reading descriptions of an apotheker, you apotheca. might... Apotheker. <laughs> I know, I always get it wrong. Um, yeah. Apotheca. This week, we decided to have a look at one of the... Pr... Yeah, there. <laughs> this week, we decided... Sorry. <clears throat> this week, we decided to have a look at one of the pretty unusual aspects of German shopping culture, die Apotheker, or the pharmacy. Is it the same experience for you, for you Dilly, in, in, a, in a pharmacy? Um...
1: I've seen the kind of apotheker that you mean, but here in <laughs> are you, are you take Are you taking the fucking piss? <laughs> I'm just trying to pronounce it correctly because Simon's watching. <laughs> yeah,
0: he's, he's such a meanie, isn't he? Tell me about it.
1: <laughs> I didn't want to catch his eye. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I, I know the kind you mean, sometimes you have like...
0: Because there's plenty of stuff that we'd grab from a, a, supermarket that you can't you can only get an apotheker here. Apotheca. Um, Apoteka. <laughs> I'm scared. Simon's going to punch me in the face next time he sees this bad pronunciation. I just know you're going to get feedback, mate.
1: <laughs> He's keeping us on the pronunciation straight and narrow.
0: Yeah, yeah. I always do. No one, no one <laughs> likes my German. It's I like to. I like to think of it as freestyle <laughs> jazz, but it's really not. Uh, okay.